towards Whitson. He's assisting. Russell, lovely angle on the run here from Zebo, slicing forwards and scoring! Huge moment! Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Up and Under podcast brought to you by Rugby Lad. We've got another pack show for you this week. As always, I'll be joined by former Ireland, Leinster and Lions number 8, Jamie Heaslip. We're going to be looking back on the European finals over the weekend with Exeter Crown Champions Cup winners and Bristol Crown Challenge Cup winners. We'll also be looking ahead to Ireland's rescheduled Six Nations game with Italy on Saturday and looking back on the second Bledisloe Cup encounter between New Zealand and Australia. And guess-wise this week I'll be chatting to former Leicester Tigers and Italy prop Martin Castro Giovanni and none other than former Ireland, Leinster and Lions centre Brian O'Driscoll. Enjoy the show, guys. There's distance. And there's accuracy. Simmons celebrates, but there will be a restart. Confirmation, the time is over before the ball is over. Total mayhem. But the Chiefs are champions. And the fairy tale is complete. An extraordinary finish to an epic contest. Right, so Jamie, no Pro 14 action this weekend, but my God, what a Champions Cup final. Well, we got some good rugby, um, I think, in general. Um, I don't know, like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm goaded for like people like Zebes and Skin. You know what I mean? Um, but then delighted for people like Ian Witten and and uh, Garen Steenson. You know what I mean? Particularly Garen Steenson when you think of like, he I, he put up a 10-year challenge thing there. I, I think that was kind of the weekend buzz there on Instagram. And it was just like fair play. You know, that, that journey that he's been on. But helter-skelter game. Um, and... Apologies, by the way, if you hear banging in the background. I have my, as always, my next door neighbours hammering away here. Um, Don't worry, it's not Jamie. Get construction. No, he's he's all Mac. If you go there, no one's moment like it's the neighbours, right, lads? Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not doing it in the good way. Um, so, so, uh, um, yeah, no, I like. Where do we start? Where do we start? Uh, Simon Zebo, I think he played probably the best game of European rugby that I have ever seen him play. Oh, he's like, phenomenal. And it was, it was, uh, he was class. And I just think you, what you got to see there was, was Zeebs when the leash, when he's in a way of playing that really suits his style um, and is given a lot of freedom. Uh, he's also empowered obviously by Pendergrass who is, who's, because he's the attack coach, right? And, and you're seeing they're back three involved in the game loads. Um, you have a creative playmaker like Finn Russell as well. Um, it's really encouraging. You know, Finn Russell even is, is mixing up his kicking game. Um, and you've got forwards who, there's the, the, you know, who would have been, let's say, the meatheads back in the day are playing to a, a good shape. That that's when they cause problems when they, when they stuck to that shape. And that's all coming from Pendergrass, obviously. I think that's really encouraging. Um, Really good. I'm good at harassing because you know, I just really, I, I really like the organisation. I really like the club. Um, that's nothing as extra, extra deserve winners. I think that's fair to say. Um, uh, well, you know, sorry, it depends what what side of it falls on. But like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think you can hold it against extra. Is really what I mean. Um, and like, I, I love the way they've gone about it. They're they're a, a humble club. They're understated. They're efficient. And I think, um. That's how it won. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, going back to Zebo now, like, I remember saying that, in, we're actually in the WhatsApp, we were laughing to myself and one of the lads who wrote the same message at the same time, kind of going, where's um, where's Skin and where's uh, Cartley Beale? Why haven't they been brought on yet? And then I kind of, I just saw, oh, there we go, saw Cartley Beale warming up. I was like, grand. Yeah. Two of us in message at the same time, Beale at 12, 
Um, that's going to be some combination. You're going to have Russell, Beal, and Vakatawa. Yeah. Zebo back at fullback. And I just saw Zebo getting taken off, and I'm like, what? In and he had just come into like like really come into the game about five minutes before that. He made a break, and he just he made a. I, I want. I know people know if you go back look at the match, you'll see it. The break that he made was out of absolutely nothing. He just came into a tackle, spun out of it, beat three defenders, and you're like. What in the How many times oh. you've seen him do that spin though? He's, he's so it, good. He's it, so it works light really well from, doesn't it? It does. It works yeah. well. From, but it's, it goes back to the French kind of like it's the one thing that's and I'm not trying to put him down, but it's one thing that's always held him back. Like the coaching in France, in terms of the head coaches, like obviously, you know, obviously you're saying how good Prendergast was there, like. But like when the when the, when the shit hits the fan, sorry, no, excuse my French. <laughs> um, do, do you know what I mean? Like they they don't they don't understand the real big decisions that need to be made yeah. and need to be careful. You know, like look, I I think, I think I understood the decision to bring Beal on because they needed they needed a bit more cre- creativity possibly, and that's you don't actually doubt that decision. But taking Zebo off, I think they'll probably look back on that and be like, that wasn't yeah. a good call. And even take off a wing, start- even take off a winger and put Zebo onto the wing if you don't want to put yeah. If you want to put Beal at fifteen or instead of twelve because you know yourself, Beal has played test at twelve. He's played fucking test at full a full back. He's played test anywhere. Yeah. He can go anywhere. So why are you taking off Zebo? Like, and you've three or four. I, I don't. I don't. I, I think they're going to look back and regret that, and they're going. I think they're going to question the decision mm. not to have Shkin. Um, but we. I suppose do we have to clarify who Shkin is to everyone? It's done the Everyone It's done the Karain. Yeah, but like even like I was surprised he wasn't started. Like, but even to not start him is one thing. But to bring him on so late in the bloody game, as we said at the very start there last week, like about that grunt up front, up front, which is what Exeter are the best at. You're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is this is Donnick Ryan who was, and I'm not just saying this as a Munster fan, like who has come from the team that invented grunt up front, that invented forward play to a certain extent. It's where it came from. It's what Munster are renowned for, and he's one of the the old faithful. He's the Paul O'Connell. He's Donnick Ryan. He's the Peter Clossy, and you leave him on the bench in a final against a team like Exeter. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, look, I. I Look, they're going to look back. Look, if they're wise, they do this. They, that's what they do. They look back on this and they're going to definitely regret, I think, regret those two decisions. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think that we can take away from from what Exeter did in the game. Um, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot of Irish people involved in that org as well. Um, and I, I love the question that it throws up a little bit, though. And I don't—I'd love to get your take on it. I know we've touched on it a couple of times, like this policy of 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 not picking players when they've gone abroad ever since Johnny Sexton has come back, and was kind of in play ahead of Sexton going abroad. Really, he kind of finished after Owen Redden came back from Wasps, if you remember. Yeah. Like, it begs the question: going like, okay, especially with Bristol, you know, and the success they've had there, and the, and the Irish contingent that are there, and you know. Are, are well, we like I mean, like Lamar's out now at the moment. Who's the form Irish fullback in the world right now? Yeah, Simon Zim. And do you know there shouldn't. Like, there, there, I just there, think, I just have, think, have too much uh, debate look, there. Just, like, he's yeah, the best look. option there at the moment. And if you were picking an Irish team at the moment, at the moment on form, you're like, okay, who should go as fullback? Simon Zim. Oh, not, I don't think you're going to get an argument in any pub. Well, there's no, no pubs open. There's no, <laughs> and I don't, I don't there's no one that's going to disagree with that. But at the same yeah. time, you understand where they're coming from to a certain extent. But as you, but are we, are we, are shooting ourselves in the foot? We're, we, we're biting our nose to spite our face, kind of a thing. Like, <laughs> do you know and, what I mean? Bit, I, I understand the lack of control that we have by by having a player abroad. But at the same time, it also exposes players to other ways of playing it brings a diversity of thought a diversity of experience which we need going forward because otherwise we'll end up with robots you know what i mean i think and the whole people... game needs to change because of that i think like i was you know i was gonna i was talking to martin cash giovanni there's actually an interview on the podcast later on with him about the whole issue with like not letting georgia in into the six nations and all that kind of stuff i think like in at the moment in england you have this thing where english england only pick teams only pick players in premiership Ireland only pick players from the Pro 14 to play in Ireland. New Zealand does the same thing. The whole game needs to change. The whole game needs to change like like football, for example, or soccer, or whatever we want to call it. Like we call it soccer here, lads, if there's any English fans listening. Um, or American. <laughs> or American, whatever. Like soccer. You never know. You never know with us. But I like... Our sa- domination <laughs> awaits us. <laughs> I'm telling you. I've said this. I've said this for years. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter where Lionel Messi plays. It doesn't matter where Cristiano Ronaldo plays. It doesn't matter where any rugby or any yeah. soccer player plays. They get selected. There's international windows set aside, like 
I hate this soccer international window because it's gone really freaking shitty at the moment. But it's put aside so that Cristiano Ronaldo, no matter whether he's in Italy, like there's a fucking pandemic on at the moment. There's COVID, the whole lot, and it's still these guys are released and go off and can play no matter where they play in the world. They could be playing in New Zealand or they could be playing in Ireland. That's the two opposite sides of the bloody world. They would still get called up to their respective national teams and that's the end of it. And you can say that yeah. it'll decrease their provinces or whatnot. No. Rugby has to get the situation where it doesn't matter where you play, you can still play for your country and you, that's how you make the sport global. Yeah, like, I mean, look... Th- th- we it, that would be a whole episode on itself us us unpa- un, unpacking this right mm. um i just think that in terms of going forward right um and how you um satiate the need for different players to try something new okay i think you've got to come up with new and original ways of um maybe facilitating players going abroad find new learnings off different people and the same is for coaches, by the way, and bringing those back. So take New Zealand, for example. They let players usually go off for 18 months, two years. They do a stint in Japan. They might come to, um, they might come to Europe uh, for like two seasons or something like that, usually after World Cup, and come back, okay? So I think the same thing can be said for looking at that. Like It's like the sabbatical thing that we talked about. Maybe, maybe there's something in that from the union giving you kind of guarantees. You know what I mean? Like... Look, ways let, means let, let me put this it. question to you in your playing days right you said before that you had offers uh, abroad and i'm sure you've had plenty of offers. i tried or, to do it i told uh, you so that. i'm saying i'm sure a lot of guys have had plenty of offers but in your situation right like did you feel like okay i can go do this and i can go i can make my few quid and i can go off to france or i can go off to japan or wherever but if i leave i have been told i will not play for ireland and it's kind of like were you essentially backed into a corner kind of going off you go, Jimmy. But your Ireland career is over. Well, th- that's that's pretty much that's pretty much how it is positioned for you. Like, it, like without being formally said, because you'll never find this policy in writing. I think I could that's be wrong. The word, that's the word. No, it it isn't. It isn't like that. I think they have a policy in England and Ireland, but we do not have an official policy here. That's why we were able to call up Sexton when he left. Which there's no yeah. official policy in writing. And that's. I think that's that's probably. Um, you know, you, you look at different sources of conflict in, in things and fairness is one of them. And I, I think people would just want the same level field for all. So I just, look, if they want to enforce that fact, that's fine. Put it in writing then. So then it's all very clear. But by, by not yeah. doing it, I, I think you're leaving it, the whole subject open for debate. Yeah, and that's why um, we keep having these conversations. Like, look at Wales. Like they have this thing where they, they initially had the 60 cap thing. Then they, sorry, before that, they had, like, you could bring in two players. And now they've got this thing where, like, they call up Callum Sheedy there recently, like, because oh he hasn't actually there's a loophole there because he didn't sign this contract before this and the whole thing is a shit show like so I think there should be a thing across the board but I like a rugby look, thing like that we can go okay you're yeah, in I th- yeah I think that's you know it'd be really interesting if they if they they'd get involved in it and um, I don't know how case. I don't know how much <laughs> I don't know how much power Joe Boy um, you Joe Boy on the case <laughs> I, I don't know how much how much power they'd actually ha- be able to have on the actual unions themselves, but look, it's 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 an interesting oh. debate because you could argue, okay, we've di- we, you get these different pinch points in terms of the pipeline of players, right? Oh. And we move them around different clubs, and even move them around different clubs. You're like, okay, at some stage we'll get we might get to a stage where, you know, we have guys who could be playing top tier rugby, but they can't because of yeah, you know what I mean. The this is actually a perfect segue onto the Challenge Cup. So yeah. I, know you, I know you weren't the biggest fan of the Challenge Cup, but um, did you watch any of it or saw it, whatever? But I watched it. We have a very big Irish ninja there, it likes of John Muldoon and Brian Byrne and Conor McPhillips and Kevin Geary and Mark. Want, oh, Brian Byrne. Can we just refer to Brian Byrne as Bubbles? Because that's his nickname. Is so that his nickname? Is it? Sorry, no, I don't. Name, let's just, just keep it at Bubbles. I, Bubbles. I'd like to see if we can get that to the masses. Grand Bubbles. So. But um, the big one is on to me at Loken. So I saw you, you saw my, my tweet that was up. So that was actually, I was sitting at home. So if anyone, if you saw this tweet anywhere else, they stole it from me because I was sitting home with the missus and I was like, Jesus Christ, Lenny at Loken story is actually incredible. So I sat at home, started doing a bit of research, looked it up. So basically, like, we were all kind of slightly surprised when he got thrown out of Connacht. Yeah. Like, oh, is he getting released? Like, he's a, he's a decent player, like, you know? Cap for Ireland. Um, you know, Joe Schmidt loved him. Joe Schmidt loved him. Came from sevens, kind of like, you know, came out of nowhere, made a career for himself. All of a sudden, he was let go. So that was fine. Then I started looking deeper into his story. I found out that what he did is he went away and he trained with Bondiaki. 
throughout the whole period that he was gone. So I think he left, um, he got released in uh, the end of May. So he trained for like three or four months with Spondiac. He tried to keep himself fit. Apparently they're really good friends. Um, then he rang up Pat Lamb. He's like, well, come here, can I train with you? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I've, I've no club. I'm not going on. Like, and he was like, yeah, grand. So he brought him in, let him train away with him. Fine, no bother. Then Pat Lamb was like, Jesus, like, I don't understand why this guy got let go. Like, because he assumed something maybe, I'm assuming he assumed something maybe happened to him. Like, but he was still class. Yeah. He was like, you're still the same player than when I trained you, O'Connor. He's, he's got so a, he's got a, he's like, he's got a cap. You know, he's, he's got a cap he's in North Ireland. So he, yeah. he signed him up, gave him a contract in August. And uh, on Saturday, he became a European champion. So it's a very, like, I know you're big into all leadership and all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, that is such an incredible case of like. Well, I, I like, love, I love, I love how he took ownership of it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I love a lot that. of people a lot of people sit back and, and might be reactive to the situation. Mm. He was like, All right, fuck this. I'm gonna join the, as I say, I'm gonna join the CIA. What the fuck's that mean? So that means you know what I mean? He's gonna control what he can control. Yeah. And then he's gonna see what he can influence and then he'll accept certain things. So he goes, Right, COVID. okay. I'm let go from Connor. Grand. I'm in the middle of COVID. Right, it's shit. What can I do? Right, you know what? Fuck Keep this. Fucking training. I'm going to train hard. All right, I'm good mates with Bundy. Bundy's in the shape of his life as well, so they're obviously two of them are training well. Right? He is after putting on serious mass as well, so he's on the same program as Bundy, so it's worked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're on the L, they're on the L creatine. Right? <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, so the lads train hard. Then he goes, okay. He probably reaches around, and goes, okay. Who do I know in this world that I can influence? You know, maybe the agent that he had was. You know, agents can be quite flippant, and yeah. maybe I think he actually rang Pat Lamb directly, like because just because he knows him. Kind of, this is what this, sorry, this is what I mean. Yeah. Like, he obviously went, oh, "I'm going to ring Pat. I know yeah. Pat." Okay. And and you know, respect to Pat for going. Yeah, come on over, kid. Give it a go. Then he yeah. has to get himself over, do it off his own back. Yeah. Then he gets himself a contract. You know, and. No, he's got a European fucking medal. Do you know what I mean? A couple of months later. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like, and especially through this whole COVID period, like we're all struggling. Everyone's kind of struggling through certain aspects of their life. Like, I mean, sometimes like, okay, stop. Take a step back. What can I do? What can I yeah. do to better myself? You know, I remember myself, I found a situation a few years back where I was kind of, things weren't going too well. I was like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And I took a step back and I went back and I reinvested in my education. I went away, I got myself a degree. I went away and got myself a master's. And that has, that has worked for me in the long term. So, like no matter what you think and no matter how hard things are no matter what's going on in the world no matter how many obstacles are put in front of you if you take a step back no matter how small it is you can better yourself in a certain way and go okay I can do this as, as you as you always say you, you love saying it control the controllables yeah you know what like I mean, I mean and, and, and like fair play to him and, and to be honest like you look at there's other players who are there um, who you know, I, I just really like the fact that a lot of them have taken a step outside of the the comforts of Ireland and be them be them backroom staff, be them coaches, be them players. And that's the most impressive thing about the Bristol setup. Eman again talked to him, always spoke very highly of, of the culture that they've created over there, um and what they're trying to create. And I think this is Sorry, by the way, I actually think the lads are going to come through the wall of my bloody room here. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just wish it was like that Aerosmith video where they come through the wall, but it's just not as cool as that. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely not as cool as running. Well, I, don't, I saw another one there, just just before you go on there, on the on the knee and looking thing. The guy actually commented underneath, like, and ended up, ended up getting a couple hundred likes. He was like, even better. Tom Kessel was labouring on a building site two months ago after leaving Coventry RFC. Now he's got a run. So this guy now ends up playing for Exeter as well. Like, his nickname is definitely like he's either like Bricky or Labour or something like that. Like, we, used, like, we like, used to call um, oh, what's his name? Fullback for Wales. Um, oh, Limber or Burn? Um, Lieber, Lieburn. No, not Lieburn. Oh, Scaffolder. Mean? Played for Saris. Williams. Liam Williams. Liam Williams. Yes, scaffolder. Yeah, we called him scaffolder because he was oh, working he, on. A, did he? He was a scaffolder. Oh, yeah. I did. I remember I saw that story before. He was a scaffolder, yeah, and he's fucking like now one of the best players in Europe. Like, <laughs> anyway, uh, sidetrack. So I think look the, for their organisation. I think it's great. I think it's great for Irish rugby because because there's so many players there, and most more importantly, there's so many backroom staff both there and in Racine that are Irish. It, it means 
potentially a lot of pipeline there for us for going forward hopefully these guys get an opportunity to come back and bring that diversity of thought bring back the diversity of uh, experience and and be included here in ireland in it and um, yeah. i think that's really when i think of kind of the green shoots you're you're, you're seeing some green shoots there um and credit where's credit you Touch. a satisfying period Pulse. in terms of their defense that was thoroughly organized but that's not satisfying and Northampton have to get heads up again for Castro Giovanni with a rather sarcastic pat there to Dylan Hartley and Hartley's going to have to get back into the scrum free kick scrum is the decision the injured Jordan Murphy looks on Julian White too not involved in the match day squad and Castro the little tap not quite Morecambe and Wise, but halfway there. Next up, a chat with former Italy and Leicester Tigers prop, Martin Castro-Giovanni. Hi, Martin. How are you? I suppose, first of all, how have you managed um, over the last few months and everything that's gone on in the world? And how are things in Italy? Well, things in Italy get tough. And now it's, it's getting there again. We don't know what happened. But, you know, I'm... I'm as a sportman, I always, I always took this kind of time, you know, the bad time as injury time, you know, because when you're injured, everything is, you have as, you know, as good for you is going away. And, but you need to get there, work on yourself, stay calm, you know, do what you need to do and try to open your mind, read or do whatever you can do to try to get your, your mind occupied in something. But it's not been it's not been easy. Um, it's not been easy for anyone else, I think. And but we need to get there and keep fighting because it's it's the way it's going on. Yeah, it's just the world at the moment. Um, looking over to the rugby, I suppose. Uh, looking at Benetton the last couple of weeks, they they really pushed Ulster. They really pushed Leinster. I think that's going to give the guys confidence going into the game next week that they proved themselves now against two of the top Irish sides that they can they can match them on the field. Yeah, of course. It's been it's been a tough time, and I think. It, I think Benetton, Treviso and Zebras, more Benetton has been working a lot in the last few in the last few years. Last year they have a very good campaign. And I think they keep working in that. And I hope Treviso is getting all the all the all the rugby Italy forward. You know, I think it's been it's been a time where, you know, with a lot of people who played for a long time, like me, Sergio, Sergio Gonzalo Canale, a lot of Bergamasco, all of them. He's been there for so many times and it's like we stopped playing maybe four years ago. And I think you need time because all of the players who was replacing us, they didn't have too much experience as well. And so they need to, they find out one day to another one, they play in a Six Nation. And, and I think sometimes you need to get time to the players to get used to these things. And I, and I hope so they're getting better because they deserve that. Yeah. Um, looking back on your, old, your playing days back with Italy, um, can you single out any, any prop or any front row that's kind of your toughest opposition to come up against? Uh, to be honest, I I'm not really watching rugby too much, um, uh, but I think I always like Ferrari. Ferrari for me was one of the of the guy who got the most, the best position in the scrum, and I really like him. Oh, very good, very good. Um, what team did you look forward to playing against the most when you were playing with Italy in the Six Nations? Which which country did you look forward to and really go? Yeah, I can't wait for this game this weekend. Well, I think. Um, as as Italian, of course, um, always been France. Um, uh, for it's a rivality for the for the whole life. But of course, I think as a as a Six Nation game, I will I will say Scotland because when I used to when I used to play Scotland and Italy was the one the two who used to fight for the the last two position, and I think that was the game we most feel because we. We feel we need to win, uh, but yeah, that's with the two games I I was waiting for the Six Nations. Can you think of any one moment that's like your most memorable moment in an Italian jersey? Well, I have a lot, um, not too many winnings, but a lot. Um, well, I think the first time we win against France in the Six Nations um, at home uh, with Nick Mallet as a coach, that was. A beautiful moment I always will remember, and and I remember when I lived. The, um, if you see the image of um, when we leave the, you know, we because when they play Ireland against England, they have a trophy. Well, France and and and, and Italy, they start doing these things from the, not so many years ago. And the first time we won, I remember it's a big, it's a it's a big trophy that I when I lifted, Sergio was there, and I and I get Sergio in the face. 
he wasn't happy with me. But I always, when I see that image, because they're still in there, um, and you can see when I lift the thing, I get Sergio in the face, and he wasn't happy with me. <laughs> but yeah, I really remember that day as a beautiful day of the Italian rugby team. Just, uh, you're probably sick of listening to this now, the whole Georgian debate and how people are asking that Italy should maybe be relegated and Georgia come up. Georgia now are finally going to get a chance. They're going to play in the Autumn Nations Cup. So they're going to get a chance. To, I don't, they're not in Italy's group, but they're going to chance to prove themselves against the Six Nations to see if they can do any better than Italy. But in Italy, like and as a former Italian player, are you sick of hear people saying that and people saying Italy aren't good enough and Georgia should be promoted? Is it frustrating? Is it annoying to hear it? Well, you know, people talk because it's easy, you know, it's free. If you put tax on bullshit, people say, they want to start to not say bullshit anymore, but this is the world free and you can say what you want. <clears throat> By my point of view, um, my real point of view is, I don't think they want Georgia there because not Ireland, not England, no one wants to go to Georgia. They like to come to Italy because it's wrong. That is the real thing and let's get things done on the table because I like to talk like that. But at the same time, you need all the other teams, the rugby world saying we need to get a better rugby. You need to make all the other teams which been doing quite well, like Georgia, um, Romania, Spain, Spain, all these teams which is working for a long time, they deserve it. Why you don't bring it to the Six Nations? Because if you bring it to the Six Nations, the cake is not gonna divide for six, they wanna divide in 10 and the money is not gonna be there. Like we can talk all night about what I think, but the real thing is that the people make others, other one talk with the people who need to make the decision, they don't make the decision. And, and I think this is what, it, you know, I answer you like that. It's, I think it's the people need to watch more, need to be in the face and be more clear. And it's, you know, sometimes it's political. All this is political. Come vote for me and I will make you play the Six Nations because we know this happened. Uh, I don't know, it's their problem now, it's not my problem. <laughs> it's true, it's true. But in general, do you think Italian rugby is heading in the right direction? Or are they kind of stagnant the last few years? Well, if, if you ask me about result, no. If you ask me about result, no. If you ask me about what the people who are there who need to do their job, they've been there for about 20 years and it's been in the same position for the last 20 years. I think if you want to change something, you need to change. Uh, but I don't know, it's not me the one who made the decision. And now is, I think it's a, new, it's a new election, I think next year, and we will see what happens. But it's, uh, honestly, I, don't, I never blame on the players because the players go there and do what they can do. For what, you know, they have this and they go, to the, you know, they go to the game with what they have and they always do the best that they can do. Sometimes it's other people they need to work for. And just one final one there, Martin. Um, you had Conor O'Shea over there for uh, was it three seasons. Um, was he able to make much of an impact or was he kind of blocked, I suppose, by those, those, that regime that's been there for the last 20 years, as you said? Why do you want me to make the talk? <clears throat> um, you like me when I talk. Yeah? <laughs> uh, listen, I think Osha uh, came here with, with a good mentality. Uh, but when you come to Italy, we make people change mentality sometimes. And, and it's hard sometimes to work when you come with idea and trying to change the whole thing. And the people who try to help you to change that thing, they're not helping you. And, and I think they, the Italian team need, want to do something for good and to change. They need to choose a coach and have it for eight years because every four years you change the coach. And this coach come in and give you some tactics to play. And the other one is French and you want to play a different way. And, and this is what happened with Italy. We, Maybe we have a good forwards and everyone know that, but we don't have a game with people know Italian team, you know, they play because they do this. No, we don't have, we need to find someone who put us in a good way, but not for two or three years, for eight years. This is the only way to see someone can work and give you the time to change the rugby. Not changing every four years. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate it. You're welcome, man. Ryan, and now the drive, the green Irish drive. They think they're over the line. Roman Poit will need the help of the TMO Glenn Newman. There are, just in case we have a knock on. Roman, 
Yes. There is nothing clear and obvious, so stick with your on-field decision. I fully agree. No third support. We will swiftly move on to the small matter of Ireland versus Italy this week, which is the Six Nations. Well, we just we, we just get about, into it after about just three after it. about three years. <laughs> um, so let's get straight into the team. Get straight in because let's not beat around the bush here because this is all people want to know. Like who well, you go, you have to go first though because you know they're they're more interested now in seeing a, in a former in Ireland international throw this team like and throw a few fellas. So okay, we'll start. We'll, we'll start we did, from we did, row. Yeah. We did a form team a few weeks ago. No, this is more so okay. Focus in and go. You're playing Italy, and I'm not going to expect Italy. Yeah. So just pick your team for Italy, which is going to be different to a normal so, strength team. Because people know that. So I think. Right. I think he's going to go with Ed Byrne. Okay. And with Church on the bench. Okay. Because he's got. I think he's going to go with a couple of changes. Oh, he definitely will because it's Italy. Like, and you, you have to, like, you have to kind of spread things yeah. out. But it has to be a, a kind of mixture of of seniority, I suppose, I think, is that the word, and yeah. experience. I think he's going to go with Herring then. Okay. Um, Porter, Jr., okay. Tyburn, CJ at six, Doris at eight, Connors at seven. Um, I think he might change it up and go with Marmion. Okay. Um, Sexto, Bundy, Gary, and then the back three. I'm stumped. Mm-hmm. I actually, I, I think, asked. I was talking to to be on the podcast as well, as well today as I was talking to Brian O'Driscoll. I even asked him, "Was like, come on now, you're a back now, one of the best ever. Tell me the thing." And he he literally spent about four minutes answering the question before he got there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I can't pick your back, Dream. I can't pick your full back. I was like, cheers, son, Brad. Like, he went off, went off on his uh, big rant telling me who's good and what's this. He, like, I, I don't feel, I don't like, I'm not going to give out about that because no one can answer that question at the moment because it's so bloody. Ah. But see, the thing is, the thing, like, we. Stockdale's played a little bit of uh, he's played more full back recently right Hugo can play full back as well Bomber can play full back right but we have no one who's playing like Jordan was playing kind of full back m- probably more regularly than the rest of them yeah is that fair to say yeah definitely yeah, yeah um, definitely. so like unless you're going to give Rob Carney another roll of the dice or you're going to bring over Zeebs there's no one who's playing full back Rob Carney's already halfway to Australia now at this stage he'll be out of it like he's already he's already on the sunbeds halfway to Australia ah uh, no I think himself he's and Tuberty are still hanging out with each he, other he, he's already put a, he's already put himself forward now for a cast and all home and away now for a big pat roll like he's gone good luck he's never coming back oh by the way by the way <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised either to see to see Rob Kearney sitting in the background holding Hi. away like drinking a coffee. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob. But he's gone. He ain't coming back. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, that's, a, I, I like, that's a good team, but you, but you can't come up with your back three. So, I'll give you mine. So, I'm not going to put a burn in for the Italy game. All right? Sorry, no. I'm going to put Kane Healy in there because I want a mixture. Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking, where is he going to make the change? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what changes is he going to make? Yeah. For me, I'm going to go with Kane Healy at loose head. Um, I'm going to put Herring in there, yes, because Keller has been struggling with a kind of a niggling injury the last few weeks. Yeah, if Keller is fit, he he should start. Um, I was going to drop Porter, but like I got a press release today saying that everyone trained fully today, and if everyone trained fully on the Monday, they should be okay. So I'm putting Porter in there, okay, because I think you you, you can't really the Italian scrum is going to be decent. I think in yeah. the second row, I think yes, James Ryan. I think yes, Tyg Byrne. I think there's no need to kind of mix around there. I think yes I would go with CJ at 6 I would go with Doris at 8 7 I would I would like to see Connors but I still think he'll go with Vander Fleer do you know that's that's my opinion I would I would prefer to see um, I would prefer to see Sexton drop for the Italy game to be honest with you because he's just come back from injury I'd like to see Byrne inside there and give him a good game but I think he'll go with Sexton so I'm going to put Sexton in there yeah I, I, I think if he makes those changes we've talked about I think he goes with well it depends what he does at 9 that's the thing well at 9 like who do you who do you say you know, you've marmite nine years said you I said Marms. Yeah. I think Mar yeah, I think he probably yeah, if he's gonna put anyone in there, like he's not gonna put Murray Shirley in there because there's no point because he wants him at full I think Murray will be on the bench because he wants him back to full fitness for the France game because I don't I, I've no doubt that they're gonna get five points get like and I'm not I'm not trying to be you know, put Italy put Italy down, but I have no doubt. So I would put yeah. Yeah, I don't think Jamo's gonna get I think Jamo will get Captain Autumn. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. So you probably put Marmion at nine, and then you have Murray on the bench. Then you've got Sexton at ten. 
um, Bundy and Ring Rose in twelve thirteen. Yeah, I see no issue with that. I think that's our I think that's our strongest centre partnership. Whether or not that should be the I don't know, but I think he will go with it because the way everything is. So I think he I think he'll uh, go with it because he wants. If you think about, if you play it out, get them together. He wants yeah. that to be really really strong. Yeah, that's he what I'm wants saying, that. Yeah. Like, they're central to within the game, and he's coming out with the odd comment that they're expanding their game and they're evolving their game, and 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 in order for that to happen, the twelve and thirteen access has to be helping them, especially with the fifteen, um, depending who the because sorry, with the fifteen that they have, they, they don't have a, a um, it's not like New Zealand where they have yeah. a ten and fifteen that are really good ball distribu distributors, so they need. They need someone like a Gary or a Bundy, who are actually, you know, particularly Bundy is probably underrated in that point of view, you know, of, of being able to put a bit more width and, and step up as first receiver type scenario. Um, yeah. And I think that's why he wants to potentially bed that down. But on what he was saying there, like I was I was looking through that thing there, like I was on that call there last week with Farrell, like talking about his, his, his evolution of the game and stuff. And I just found it so fun and kind of funny and bizarre that he came out straight away and said, um, yes, I do realise that we need to um, evolve our game to a certain extent, but at the same time, a strong part of us has been sticking to our processes and sticking to our game plan. So he's completely said two things and completely kind of went, okay, so you want to evolve the game plan, but you want to stick to your processes. So to me, I'm not trying, yeah. to, I'm not trying to criticise him, but it just kind of leaves a bit of a mixed kind of muddled message there in terms of, okay, what are we doing? Are we just going to stick to the processes and go... Well, what's worked well, on you know what I think we're going to evolve personally what I, what I think that means is they might have like the game the game sheet with certain plays on it yeah right but they'll probably evolve the the multi-phase part of their game yeah well a, a big thing he said as well is that he wants to encourage his players to play more heads up rugby and I asked that as well that same thing today to Drico and he was like oh, I think that's a subtle message to his players particularly in the back line to kind of go okay if it's on play it don't necessarily stick to the game plan I'm giving you a small bit of a I'm giving you two or three lumps off the leash there kind of go okay if you see something on go for it which is something Ireland haven't done a lot recently in terms yeah. of they kind of they're very usually stick to their rigid game plan okay stick your head up and if you see it's on play it yeah you know what I mean yeah it's, you know, and, you know and they'll have to go to the forwards as well the thing they'll have, they'll have to, to evolve like back the forward game in the back row definitely that would be huge have to you know yourself like you like, played games where like okay normally in this situation this is what I'm supposed to do but if you stick your head up and go hold on a second now there's fucking numbers here we, or we, there's this here or, and you might we can't run blindly into yeah. tackles we can't yeah. run no footwork we can't run no. and not look at offloading like if we if we run blindly straight into other teams we'll just get found out but you've got to you've got to you've, you've got to you've got to train the way you want to play so you, you, you just wonder how are they are training and because what I'm saying is I know, like example I know how Lens are doing they're doing these chaotic setups for that reason uh, Munster seem to be a lot more structured in their attack if I'm honest um, same at Ulster Connacht are probably a, lot, a, a bit more freer than those two okay um, but it's getting the it's it, it getting the right blend together and that's the challenge of the international side because you have the different force the four different styles coming together and, and so how you get them all used to it and what fits best for the way for the philosophy that Faz is, is coaching in that's the challenge well Ensler crowd are liking what they're seeing here's O'Driscoll again oh good intercept by O'Driscoll that's brilliant skill he's going to go in again oh, it's mesmeric by Alan's genius Next up, a chat with former Ireland and Leinster centre, Brian O'Driscoll. Hi, Brian, how are you? How's things? Good, 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 good. Um, I suppose, first of all, what are your thoughts on Andy Farrell's squad selection in general? Any um, any surprise selection decisions there for you? Um, obviously, the, 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 the obvious one is, um, is the exclusion of John Cooney. Um, it, it seems, you know, maybe a bit harsh considering some of his form earlier on in the year, but... Um, but yet he hasn't hit his straps in in this in the start of this season, and as as a result, other guys have have got in ahead of him. It seems like a big fall from grace, um, which must be diff you know difficult to stomach from from his perspective and from an Ulster perspective. But um, 
I think their, their challenge, you know, when you talk about being picked on form is Conor Murray being picked on form. And, and I suppose there's, um, there's, there's something in that, but I think what Conor Murray, I played with Conor Murray, I played John Cooney as well, but I played with Conor Murray and I understand why an 80% fit Conor Murray or, or playing at 80% capacity is still very much to be reckoned with. The calm, the influence that he brings to the rest of the side, the comfort and confidence that he generates with those that have played with him for 10 years, those guys that have just come in, what they will see him doing at training and never get flustered, you know, plugging holes, doing all the clever things. So for me, um, I, I've always been a huge Conor Murray fan and, and continue to be, even though he's not at the height of, of, um, of his kind of contribution over the last 10 years. Perfect. Um, looking for selection this weekend, the big one is going to be full-back. There isn't officially a recognised full-back in the squad at the moment. You know, we've got Stockdale, played a lot of games there. Conway's played some games there in the past. Hugh Keenan, and like, if you're Andy Farrell now, like, who is the best man for that job? And then who are you putting on the wings in, if that's the case? Yeah, well, how I look at it now, um, I think you can look in this two different ways. You can look at it that... Um, Six Nations, um, it's Italy, so maybe if you are going to blood one of the younger lads, one of the newcomers into the setup, now is the game in a Six Nations match to do it. If it was anybody else, would you be looking at bringing someone in for a first cap? Maybe not, particularly on the, on the, on the back of a big, long um, layoff like this. But I think it is, it's not a freebie game, but you would expect to win it, um, a, a game against Italy at home. Um, so you could look at a Hugo Keenan or a Shane Daly playing in there at fullback and, and doing a good job if Andy Farrell sees them as being one of the future players for him, Rugby World Cup in 2023. What we're not privy to and what a huge amount of this will, will come down to is what, what they've shown a training in the last week and, and this week. And who gets it, who's been able to pick up um, you know, the you know, little intricacies of the game plan, um, who's you know, looked as though they can rip apart the opposition defence at training. Those things all add up. We're, we're only watching on Saturday afternoons and you think that's the be all and end all. It's really not from a coach's perspective. Seeing them deal with a pressurised environment at training and being able to be on message and, and get what, what the coaching ticket are looking for combined with their own natural talent is what will get them selected, um, along with their performances. So in the case of the two guys that I mentioned, they've both been very solid for their respective provinces when they've played, and, and that's why they're in the national camp. Um, that said, you could look at it and think, Jacob Stockdale's going to be there for 2023. Is his position going to be on the wing or at fullback? Um, you know, you, we want to build his confidence. He's going to be a big player for us if we can get him back to the 2018 model. So maybe you give him his opportunity in the 15 jersey to, to see whether you know, that's his new position. Um, I don't know is the answer to it. I, I really don't know. Uh, um, because, I, because I've not seen um, any of them perform a training in the last week. Um, I, I, do like the, the, I do like Hugo and I do like Shane Daly. I think they're they're very different to Jacob. I feel as though Jacob might be better on the wing because he's less time to think of what he's going to do. Um, and, and he's an instinctive player, particularly from an attack point of view. I think he still has a bit to learn defensively. Uh, on the flip side, at 15, he's probably better defensively because he doesn't have to make any reads. He just he knows the last man is his. You make that tackle or you don't. And I think some of the flack that he's taken on the basis of the, you know, the defensive display against Cheslin Colby is so unfair. Like, no, no player in world rugby is going to make those tackles against that footwork, uh, or very few are going to do it. So um, I, I think you can you know, strike that one off as a bit of an anomaly um, or, or you know, not to take account of it. But I do think that there's positives and, and negatives um, to have on both sides, and, and it'll come down to you know, who's performed well. Um, when the pressure's been squeezed at training. Perfect, perfect. Just um, going back to scrum half, uh, looking at Conor Murray's form at the moment, is it as bad as everyone is saying? And, you know, are Marmion and Gibson Park, are they, are they good enough to make that step up and are they good enough to maybe displace him? First of all, Conor Murray's pass is the best pass in Ireland too. What should, what should your scrum half be doing 
better than everybody else is, you know, is passing the ball. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's Connor Murray first, and then I think it's probably John Cooney, and then I think it's Jameson Gibson Park, and then I think it's Karen Marmion on a passing, um, on the passing level. So for me, I think if you're the best passer, you're, you're straight away in a strong position. I think contributing to that, Connor Murray has hit some pretty lofty heights in the last 10 years. Um, and he's not been at that level the last two years that he was maybe the Lions tour in 2017 or you know, during that Grand Slam year or, or many other years over the course of, of his international um, tenure. But he, um, or, or his international uh, positioning, but he is someone that exudes a calmness and an influence on those around him. And the no panic counts for a huge amount. It just feels like he's going to make good decisions more often than not. I don't think the speed of decision is as strong as it was in the past. He, he, he feels a little less, a, a little bit more formulaic than he was in the past. I'd love to see kind of the natural footballer come out again a little bit more because he's, he's a great footballer and he, he reads the game so well. Um, I just think we need a little bit more from him in an attack uh, perspective. Also, he's playing to a game plan in Munster where he's box kicking a lot. I don't think that's Conor Murray. He's not choosing whatever. I don't care what, what these are all doing. I'm going to box kick the ball. He's not thinking that. He, he is being told that is the way we need to go and, um, and play some of our attacking rugby as well. And you know, we all have opinions on that. Um, but I, I do feel as though some of the flack that he's gotten has been a bit unwarranted. Andy Farrell was saying there last week, Brian, um, that he wanted to see his players, I suppose, see the picture in front of him and play a bit more heads-up rugby. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Would you agree with him? Yeah, like, isn't that something that, we've, that you know, you're always trying to do? I, I think that is when the game gets away from you a little bit and you kind of get a foothold in it. How do you... You can't revert just back to the tactics that you had before the game. I think you have to have a malleability to, to the way the game is going. And as much as you might want to play wide, wide, if for some reason that you see a, a different, defense, different, different defensive system, you have to be willing to go to the air or you have to be able to be clever to understand in real time how you can manipulate the defense to do what you want them to do. So... That, that's, that's not a new phenomenon, I think. That doesn't tend to happen when you're in the ascendancy and when you're winning collisions and you've got front football. It happens when you're on the back foot and you know, you're barely getting parity at, you know, at line-out and scrum or in, you know, at rook time. You then have to find a way to get yourself back into the game. We're not South Africa. We can't just bludgeon teams to, you know, to death. Um, and that's their game plan. They never shift away from that game plan. They just go harder when it's not officially, when it's not working the first time. We can't do that. We have to have an ability to mix things up because we don't have that size. Um, so it, it, it's something that I think he's probably trying to plant a seed in his, in, his, in his playmakers' heads as well of that ability to try and see alternative options when things are getting away from them a bit. Going back to that power game that we've all been talking about for the last few weeks, like when Ireland come up against the likes of England and South Africa, do you know what could their point of difference possibly be? Yeah, I think you just have to make sure that your footwork is particularly good, that um, that your accuracy at rook is really good, that you're not you're not pouring you know numbers into dead rooks. I think you look what, what's the difference with the All Blacks more often than not is their accuracy at the rook a ball carrier plus two. They rarely, rarely have more than, than two clearing out a rook. Maybe one for security if it gets really messy, um, if they see you know, the opposition piling a few numbers in. But for most part, their ability to regenerate and, and be, offer as, uh, as an option outside the 10 or outside the nine or hold defenders on the inside, that's what creates space in other parts of the field. So um, I think that's a, that's a kind of big component to, to look towards. Um, when, you're not, when you don't have the brute force of other sides, I think you have to get the detail of, you know, of the individual roles right and make sure that, that they're doing their job and you're, you, know, you don't have others having to cover for, for inadequacies. Um, so yeah, it's something, to, something that we used to be very, very good at with Joe Schmidt is the accuracy at the rook. 
Um, and, and it's one thing that we need to kind of continually stay on top of because it has a positive knock-on effect to the rest of our game. Brian, do you think, do you think, is that a mindset thing in Ireland more so? Kind of, you know, not looking up, not playing heads up rugby, like they're so good at it in New Zealand. Is it a matter of you can coach that in four or five weeks or is that something that we need to look at in the long term to kind of change that mindset? I think we've got some really good footballers that are capable. You know, you, th- you think about your halfbacks and it's about the spine of the team being able to read it well. Um, and going from, you know, from your hooker through to one of the second rows to your halfback pairing to, you know, a center and fullback. If you think about that spine, okay, Keller is new, but you've got Ryan, Murray, Sexton, Ringrose, and then... Stockdale or you know one of the boys that we talked about so it's it's the makings of a good spine of being able to read the game well so I, I, you wouldn't be concerned Doris or Stan, you know Stander um, in the back row if you think about that it, it, they're in pretty good shape They've, you've got some pretty impressive IP there it's just a matter of um, you know giving them the ability to navigate that and um, so that's not a that's not a concern the, the the rest is about other players then as well. Um, you know, you think about the second rows with New Zealand and how, I, I don't know when the last time Brody Ritalik went to a dead rook or Sam Whitelock for that matter. And you saw them resting, you know, rook watching um, when they realized it's, oh, it's done here. They regenerate and they get out. And they, if they're not going to be involved in the next phase, they're involved in the one after that. And they might be getting their hands on the ball, but they're running a, a line or a switch line or they're going to be the first clearer. So it's just, you've got to think ahead of time. And, and that's, you know, that's always a work in progress with any players of, you know, trying to bring them in and getting them to understand how to see, you know, the next few phases rather than just the one that they're involved in there and then. Are they given enough license and freedom, I suppose, Brian? I mean, you go back to Farrell's comments. He said that he does want to evolve Ireland's game plan, but he also said that they're very good at sticking to their game plan and sticking to their processes. You know, and you go back to what you said about Conor Murray and being forced to box kick. Do you know, are they given that license? Are they given that freedom enough? What, what was the was it Wales was the first game and they played really well and they and they had those small little, um, you know manipulative plays they had that beautiful try that was it sex sexto scored um so you know we hadn't seen that before whether we set something up you know pull the defense in and then played out the back and so we thought there were going to be small little nuances and we just haven't seen the evolution of that granted it's only three games so and one of them we got absolutely decimated up you know got, got hammered up front um, and physically and just outplayed by England. So you almost have to write that off. So ultimately, it's only two games that, um, that we've had the chance to see our, atta- our attacking shape. Um, so I think we'll know an awful lot more over the next two weeks as to what, um, what way Ireland want to play. But for them to get to show that, they've got to continue to be collision winners. And... And that, you know, I talk about it nearly every week when I'm talking about rugby. It's, it becomes such a simple game when you win tackles, when you win that collision zone. If you don't win that, the knock-on effect is the rook is messy. Uh, you have to put more bodies into it. It's slower and the defensive line sets and you've got less bodies to play against and you have to kick it. Um, or, you're, you know, you've got this rush defense on you. You know, if you get accurate and you can win that, that collision and you can clear out quickly and you can make it a two-second rook, the game just evolves in front of you. And that's what kills me of guys trying to set up, you know, scrum halves in particular, trying to wait for the, for the cavalry to get around the corner and set up because they're trying to get back into their system. If it's fast, play it. Don't worry about any system because the defense is not set either. And you just have the ability to be able to play what you see. That, you know, turning a three-second rook into six because oh, I want some numbers. Just take it and run across the field yourself and wait for someone to run a line off you because the defense, someone's going to make a bad decision in that defense if that's the case, if they're a bit disorganized too. Yeah, so we actually saw that at the weekend with Tamua with that try in the corner for Australia. He didn't wait for anyone, just got in, passed it straight out. Totally. Bang, so, so him off, right? His try. Yeah. Um, in, in the Champions Cup final, right? He was in at scrum half and he just ran, ran for a couple of seconds and eyeballed, was it Johnny Hill made a bad decision, shot out of the line. There you go. It doesn't matter, you know, what number jersey you have on you. If, you can, if it's there to be played, play. Because particularly, you know, 
loose forwards you know, might feel a bit vulnerable against an outside back, or uh, tight forwards, I should say, you know, they want the security of close contact and to be set nice and early. If they're left out on their own or left to defend with a bit of space, geez, there's no better opportunity to try and get in behind or, or to pile pressure on them. So it's what we're looking for. They're looking for mismatches of running over us. We're looking for mis mismatches of trying to isolate them in, in, in kind of the wider channels. I was talking to um, Gordon Darcy last week and I was asking him who's the toughest centre he ever came up against and he came back with two. He came back with Josian from France and Manonu. Is there mm. any one or two players you can kind of single out and go, yeah, it's going to be a tough day at the office today? Um, I thought Conrad Smith was always one of the really difficult ones. Um, well, he's nicknamed Snake, because I think because of the hips and just it doesn't look as though he's going that fast, but geez, he can, he can travel. So yeah, only, was it 2012? I remember never thinking that he was that quick and then I saw him pulling away from me. I was like, oh, okay. Is that more of a reflection on me or more of a reflection on him? I'm not entirely sure. But he, um, he, was, a, he was a good footballer, a really clever player, picked up a lot of, um, you know, what might be perceived as easy scores, but he, but he had to, sorry, stop, stop. But he had to run the line um, to, to get there. So, um, you know, really, really clever operator. And then Joe Zion, yeah, for me. Like Manon is another great player, but for me, if I were to pick two, it would be, it would be Joe Zion and, um, and Conrad, I think. Um, yeah. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Cheers, bye-bye, That needs a chaser. No chasers. Here's Clark, he'll chase hard. He's beaten three men, he's gone straight through the middle. What a wrecking ball, and still Good they down. don't put him to ground. What a starting test debut for the young man. New Zealand with a huge overlap. It has to be Savia. I'll take it. Wow. Adi Savia. And it all came from Callum Clark. Right, so on to the Bledisloe Cup. What about New Zealand the weekend, Jimmy? What about the production line oh. of players that they have? Oh, I think like, I said it. I said it two weeks back about this. What's his name? Um, Caleb Clark. Is it Caleb Clark? Caleb Clark oh. or Caleb Clark? I've seen that. We're saying this now. Now, in fairness, now like we can't complain too much because if you look at the current Ireland setup, you look at Will Connors, you look at Hugo Keenan, you look at Shane Daly. These are guys that have come through sevens, and I've been saying this for so yep. very long. Go back, right? Do some research, right? If you're bored now at home, like, and you're going to be, we're probably going to be in lockdown now, like, uh, come come this evening. We're recording this on Monday, so you're going to be bored now. So go down a few Wikipedia rabbit holes, right? Look at the production line in New Zealand, right? In terms of players they've produced that have come through the seven system. I'll give you one example straight away. Jonah fucking Lomu came through the seven system. Guys like Mills Mulliana, Gills, there's there is a list there as long and as actually my your man um, Howlett, Caleb I, I, Clark. Caleb Clark, they're already staying very like John Alone, which oh, is like, that's crazy it, for Kiwis. Like you, a big thing is, I've watched this clip so many times, that incredible break that everyone's talking about. When you see he runs, right, he takes the ball, he puts it into one hand, kind of looks for a break. When he runs through and he gets tackled and he gets back up and he goes again, that is the sevens mentality. 100%. He's like, okay, he hasn't held in the tackle because he's used to a big space with only a handful of guys coming in and he's used to no rucks or no nothing. So like, oh, there's no ruck farm here. There's no one tackling me. Bang, I'm up, I'm again. And he gains the next 20 metres and they score a try off it. So that is something mm. that is huge that you can't teach that you have to you have to experience it. You have to live it. And like, I've played sevens in the past. I don't know, have you played sevens? It's like, it's a different sport. It is a different sport. It is just go, 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 go. It doesn't stop. You score a try, bang, you got to get back. There's a kickoff. You do this, you hit a rock. It's just, there's seven guys in a full-size fucking pitch. It is non-stop. The fitness levels are yeah. ridiculous. You know, you know what else I'm liking about them, though? Like what else, but the other thing I'm, I'm liking about them is, uh, okay, they've got this attacking prowess from the, the sevens and yeah. that, how to exploit space and all that sort of thing. But they're really, 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 f like, sharpening the axe when it comes to you know that 10 15 two playmakers splitting the field yeah uh two-sided attack really you saw barrett well. like how good was barrett like that break he made at one said like 
you see the difference he makes. Of, co- of course, he's going to make a difference. This is like a former two-time World Player of the Year coming back in as a fullback. Probably, he's <laughs> probably going to be Player of the Decade. Do you know what I mean? I, actually, while we're on that now, I was going to leave it to the end of the show. We might as well say it all here. Mr. Hayslip, you have well, been nominated. You are up there. Uh, here, look. Try, I, try I, I was lucky. the decade. I, I know it was an incredible team Troy but you were the guy at the end of it <laughs> so Look, congratulations I, I was the cute whore I was the cute whore who, who ran a straight line up the field like I'd done many a time and not been <laughs> on the end of it and I was surprised like everyone else that Fergus Fadden actually either, passed the ball to me either way it doesn't matter like as in or, you know it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you take take a step back and look at it from a strictly rugby point of view that was an amazing try and an incredible teamwork try and that is what the game is about and I'm not just saying that as an Irish fan I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you I think that is a try that could very well win it because that is all about the values of the game as you if said I was, I was, I was just a guy at the end of it that's the whole yeah. point of it it wasn't like about if, Jay, I, if I was to justify it like it is probably out of all the tries it's the best team try oh I know 100%. I'm biased and to put that the, that, best, the, best, the best individual try, if I'm honest, is um, uh, the, the number eight from Australia. Um, the one against New Zealand. Oh, what's oh his yeah, name? I know. Try, or, put, no, not, what's the number eight? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter because everyone's going to vote for the Irish try. So it doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You yeah, don't yeah, need to mention yeah. the opposition. But it's good, it's good to see. And anyway, we've got Sexton then nominated for world player of the year as well. yeah and, and i don't I, like unfortunately i don't look i'd love johnny to get it um but like Bowden barrett he won it twice he's nominated and i, I know he's nominated at least one I'd other call, time I if not two other times I, I, carter got two as well I, I i think carter and mccall come above come above barrett to be honest with you but it's if the if decade it's not it's not yeah if you look back yeah. over the decade or it's from 2000 to 2000 or 2010 2020 who's played the most years at international level yeah, probably Barrett, and be nominated right. like yeah, you're right you're right well look it doesn't matter all that matters is Jamie Hayes have tried the decade and that's what we're all voting for guys go on to our website vote for Jamie get your fucking finger out and get it done right <laughs> is that where I put on my cool shade thing that's that right. I was doing hold on I a sec cool where shade. is it cool I put my cool shades on for the lads and the cool yeah, on and we'll vote for Jamie because like let's I mean if someone's gonna win it like it has to be Jamie. But let's swiftly we <laughs> there you go, look, bang, <laughs> boom, try the decade. This is gonna be portion of that clip, boom, try the decade. Anyway <laughs> <laughs> swiftly moving on. <laughs> um, two more things to touch on. First of all, on. this brings us back now to two weeks ago. Um Premiership Finals on next weekend, Boss person Exeter, but da, 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 enter COVID nineteen. So basically, Wasps got uh, six cases last week, and we all thought it'd be fine. But then they put a press release out this morning. I'm going to pull it up. Was it three or four cases now again today? So now they've admitted that yeah, we don't know if the final can go ahead, and they have put uh, Bristol on standby, which is kind of bizarre to be honest with you. If if it was me, and obviously I'm not the head of Premier Rugby, nor am I the CEO. I would have just awarded the title to Bristol because they finished first and they finished first by a, a decent margin and they were top for probably about 80% of the league. But now they're going to potentially put Bristol into the final despite the day they got their absolute asses handed them by Watts in the semi by like 30 points. So like I mentioned, if Bristol come out and won it. So, so I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Fucking You've already come with all these different fucking permutations and I just went... My yeah. brain just went like this. That's the whole yeah. point. Yeah, that's the whole fucking point. <laughs> and I think that's the problem, isn't it? Correct. Correct the mundo. It's just fucking, like, not now, is it? Yeah, four more members now today, like, so they just said, like, Exeter Chiefs and Bristol Bears have been made aware of the situation prior to the public release of this information. So, I mean, if you had a fucking Bristol final against Exeter and they managed to beat them because Exeter were on the fucking lash all week after the Champions Cup final or they were bollocksed after a fucking pretty intense affair. But put it this way, I know this, that we had a pretty poor record after winning each European final and playing at the final. Oh, I'm sure you do. Look, I, I mean, don't think, I actually don't think we won any by the time we won the, the plate, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's different though um, because no one gives a shit about the poor 14, no offence. So you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, but I mean, but it's the same thing. To them, to them, it's so, but to them, the Premiership is a bit bigger to them, and it's kind of like they would kind of like be like the way the top 14 looks at the Champions Cup as level parity, the same way as they would Premiership. So they feel like maybe they might say after the year, but at the same time, at the end of the day, if you are a professional player in Europe, the peak and the, the pinnacle of rugby is to win the Champions Cup. So if you win that, that is like they've won the Premiership before. Once you win the Champions Cup, that's it. You've made it. 
you've reached the top. Yeah. And, and that's the, the way it should be. Game. Of course it should. So I would I would not feel I would not give out to Exeter if decided to go on the absolute fucking lash like considering they were in the today, championship ten years ago. We're now recording. It's nearly five o'clock, uh, four o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. One hundred percent. Just that. Some of our players <laughs> still have a beer. Fact. Or and if they're not, alcoholic. there's something wrong with them. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember seeing Fact. that picture, that thing, that ten-year challenge, like, and I was actually shocked. Uh, you know, Tom Hayes. He's related to John Hayes. Yeah. Tom Hayes, like, he, he's he's coaching with. I played against Tom. Yeah, he played against Tom. He's coaching with Bose now. I think he was coaching with Chaps. Coach Chan now. He's coaching with Bose and like. They, BT had a picture up 10 year challenge and the 10 year challenge was Tom Hayes as captain of Exeter holding up the championship and then 10 years later all in Champions Cup and you're like Jesus Christ that's incredible like, that is some yeah. turnaround in 10 years yeah. like, you, talk about the, you talk about Munster and their, their build to Champions Cup and Linsters they came from the fucking championship do you know so right we have one more thing before we knock off because you're Hit me. Us. what do we have we have well, the whole fucking box with off in the rugby championship. What's the story there? That's a bit of a. Well, like, look, Alex, I mean, look, we, don't know, we don't know the ins and we don't know the ins and outs of it. But like, you know, South Africa basically lined it, putting it out there. You know, it's player welfare. It's managing that. That's fine. Um, but it does. I think there is an undercurrent, or there's chats going on in the background that we don't obviously know. But about them leaving it all together. I mean, I know by them not participating, they lost something like eighteen million dollars. Um, not participating in yeah. this year's it just means uh, they could have no game now between now and the Lions store that's the Bring biggest the but you know what like I don't think that's going to matter because we're going to beat uh, them anyway I, uh, we no I think I think <laughs> what they're going to do is they're going to make they're going to play most of their players in in the club games coming in I think yeah well fair enough well look it's going to be tough one look I know it's but I think on. look yeah there's a bit more than than like let's just let's just hope there's a competition in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean. So that's why I'm not too invested in in the lines yet. But once the autumn games kick off, I'm pretty pretty sure you and I will be picking out our international lines starting I fifteen know, pretty I look, quickly. I look, I look forward. I look forward. Anyway, look, go on, Jimmy. I know uh, you've got to uh, go in now and give out to the neighbours next door and tell them to stop drilling shit. So enjoy that. And uh, oh, stop, stop. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> it's breaking me, man. It's breaking. It's first world problems. That's first world problems. It's tough. It's tough. All right, go on. Go on. Be good. Good luck. Look, take care. All right, so guys, that's it for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it, and chat to you again next week. Stay safe.